1: Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM, from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall.
0: I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhammer.
1: And we're back. It's been a little bit of a, a break again, like a week and a half from the, the last episode. It's just... It's been tough to get recordings midweek, just with everyone's schedules and League One BC games and folks' work and everything like that. So we've had a little bit of a break between the, the last two, three episodes, but we should be getting back, I think, onto a pretty more regular schedule from now on, which is just as well, because so much to talk about. So much news happening locally, nationally, internationally and we're going to try and bring you as much of it as possible in this show right now no idea how long this episode is going to be i always aim for two hours that probably means it's going to be a three and a half hour show because we're going to be talking world cup and the exciting news that came out this week as the host cities were announced for 2026 we'll also be talking MLS and new broadcasting deals, and we'll be turning our attention to the Whitecaps in all aspects, whether that is MLS, whether it's Whitecaps 2, Canadian Championship, League 1 BC, and of course we'll have a regular splattering of music all thrown in as well. We're going to kick things off with World Cup chat. Before we look ahead to 2026. Let's have a quick chat about 2022 because the final two teams were all settled this week. The, the playoff games, which I don't like because I don't think it leads to good football games necessarily. And I think we saw that in the first game with Australia and Peru. It was a nervy affair. Neither team really wanted to attack. But we've got to talk about the penalty shootout. Andrew Redmayne with his Wiggles dance, which I don't know if people here know much about the Wiggles. I just know about the Wiggles from watching all the Australian and New Zealand TV shows that I do. It's like a big cult children's TV show. There's like the Blue Wiggle, the Red Wiggle, the Yellow Wiggle, and they do dancing and stuff. So he's now become known as the Grey Wiggle. But
2: well, I wanted to an actual guys'
1: wiggle? thoughts on that was
3: it actually a wiggles dance or people just calling it
1: well they kind of do that kind of because I know I, I,
3: I have I have seen them because they were like my kids were young when they came on TV and I was uh, oddly fascinated like creepily they always look creepy to me, yes a couple of them especially a couple of them and so it would be just odd to watch them and everything like that I don't know what it was uh, but yeah I was I was like, I was like amazed like I can understand moving around and stuff like that but the way he was moving around. It was almost like embarrassing, yes. <laughs> like to be a, as a, as like somebody that's played goalkeeper before. I don't think I could ever do anything like that. Um, I mean, the, it must the, take the, so
1: much out of you as well, and it's it, like I it guess must it affect does. your but, concentration.
3: So, who is more tired, the the keeper that played 118 minutes or him, because he came on <laughs> the last minute or two? Because I mean, it's on. a brave decision
1: I'll, to sub your goalkeeper off with like seconds to yeah. go, but he well, came well, up big for
3: them. Bare- apparently he did in the, the in the A Cup final as well. Uh, he yeah. Did, uh, 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 but uh, for me, I was and the funny thing is uh, funniest thing about this was like, I was like at first I was like embarrassed, like I was like if I was this kind of part of this country, would I really want to go to the World Cup like this? But then I was thinking, yeah, I'm only saying that because Canada qualified earlier.
4: Yeah. If if it was
3: Canada in that situation, I'd be like, yes, do it, please. Oh yeah, however you can I'm... do it together. But it was. But it was both of the, both games were. You're right. There were. I, I felt both games were boring. Like the the fact that Costa Rica, once they scored that goal, they oh. were basically shut down. Both yeah. Like they didn't were, were looking for anything. I, I felt like the Kiwis were. I, I feel like the best team out of the both games didn't make it. I felt yeah. Peru was probably the better team out of Australia, and I thought New Zealand was better than Costa Rica.
1: And, I and watched see the Australia against UAE way. the week before, which was the pre-playoff playoff. Yeah. And yeah. they were terrible in that game. So I thought Peru were going to hammer them. So, yeah. I mean, Peru's going to be just like ruin that. And New Zealand were so much better than Costa Rica. And this did not get the breaks in front of goal. And then VAR cost them. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and that's, can we talk about that? Like, I feel like
3: if, and both players were going at each other. It was like a collision almost. Like, and actually I feel like the Costa Rica player fouled the New Zealand player first. And I that's it what it harsh. felt like to me. And he just, I, I felt it was just a reaction that, you know, you, you pull him down and I'm going to pull you down or something like that. I don't think that should have been, that should have been called back at all.
1: It was a tough one. I mean, Zach, what did you make of them? Obviously you're going to be pleased for Big Kendo going to another World Cup. And what did you make of the girls' dance?
0: I wanted in Peru. Uh, so I feel, I feel, I feel bad. I think Peru would have been a better addition to the World Cup. Um, That's
1: why they should have brought Rui Diaz.
0: Who wouldn't want Raul, Raul Rui Diaz on their, their team? Part, partly Peru. Peru didn't in this <laughs> case, and they may, they're made to suffer. Anyone who anyone who has opportunity to take Raul Rui Diaz and doesn't obviously suffers. So yes, I uh, like him. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, I wish Peru had had been able to get through in that horrible game. Uh, the other game. Well, yeah, well, you're right. It was also a very tense, tense affair with that and the early goal. Uh, both Kendall and Boxel didn't start, right? Mm. Kendall came on, Boxel didn't, if yeah. I remember correctly. Uh, so I'm, I'm sad for Boxel, uh, and uh, yeah, happy for Kendall and the the Ticos, and uh, I think
1: they'll they'll be a good addition to the World Cup. But and obviously, um, good for CONCACAF to have a yes. representative there. Oh. I, I, did want both. Always good for cousins to to get through but I I just I don't like these playoffs games. I just think there's so much on the line, you're not gonna get good football. And even for 2026 I was having a look at like who who's qualifying and there's lots of like federations that's got 0.33 and it's like, oh even with forty eight teams we're gonna get all these playoff games and stuff. It's just it's a bit it's just a bit too much for me. There was a very interesting thing, I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but the Australian goalkeeper, like the the Peruvian goalkeeper, who we all know from, from MLS and previous penalty shootout shenanigans from a few years ago when he got sent off. But anyway, he was taking way too long between kicks for me drinking water. And I really think the referee should have... I think he should have nipped the bud a little bit with the dancing, and he should have said, "Look, you can't be taking this long between kicks drinking water." But the Aussie keeper at one point reached down, got his water bottle, and threw it away so that he couldn't do that. And a lot of the Peruvian media are calling that cheating. But it's like taking that long between kicks is cheating.
3: Yeah, I think I think both both things were should have been nipped in the bud. But yeah, I I feel like the 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 referee was warning the Australian keeper keep every time, the Aussie keeper, that you know, you you better not come off the line or else I'm going to call it as a retake.
1: Well, that's a hard thing as well. Like, if you're dancing about like that, staying on your line must be a tricky thing to do because you're not yeah. allowed to be behind the line. That's good but, footwork. Yeah. Anyway, that was one World Cup. Let's talk about the one we all mm. want to talk about Scotland are defending their World Cup of Darts title in Berlin at the moment. They've got through to the quarterfinals. It's going to be a big matchup with England. Snakebite Wright and Big John Henderson. How do you see that one going? Snakebite Wright. Scotland, repeat. Scotland it. overall. Back-to-back yeah, back sure back World Cup champs. Of course, the danger is we're recording this on Saturday, and that is going to be on Sunday afternoon. So the time that a lot of people listen to this... Either Scotland will be back-to-back champs, or they're going to be chumps. But what,
0: what, do you, what do you guys think is going to happen at the Canadian Grand Prix this weekend in Montreal?
1: I think it's going to rain, rain, rain. By for, for what I've seen so far. I think tomorrow's supposed to be a little bit nicer, but there there was rain for qualifying today. Yeah, it was something that they it, were talking about. It only affected
3: time. one. It, it only affected one corner, apparently. Oh no, uh, oh, no. one it corner of more. the track, like one, like so. It was like, but it, it, people who didn't, uh, people who kept their slicks on, they, they they were affected
0: by it. No, there was only one guy. George, only one guy. George Russell went for slicks at the end. Oh, was he the only the one? Point. I thought there was yeah. more than one. No, he he went for slicks at the end just to see if he could, make he it. could find just enough grip, and he did not.
1: <laughs> oh. And a
0: couple other people, and a couple other people crashed too. But
1: yeah. oh wow! Right, let's get to the big news story of the week. The World Cup is officially coming to Vancouver. Coming back to Vancouver, uh, I guess we could say as well, because we have hosted the 2015 Women's World Cup and the 2007 Men's Under-20 World Cup. So three World Cups in Vancouver in a 20-year period. It's pretty nice going. The official announcement came on Thursday. Vancouver is one of the 16 host cities and one of only two Canadian cities, along with Toronto. Edmonton were frozen out. For a number of factors, we'll get a little bit into into that shortly. First of all, Steve, thoughts on it being official? Vancouver's getting games. We don't know how many yet. Could be five, could be six. It's just very exciting that we are going to be a World Cup host city.
3: Yeah, I was probably out of the three of us the least, had the least amount of doubt that they were, I did have a little bit, but probably the least amongst the three of us. And so I'm pretty pleased that it's coming. Uh, the number of uh, uh, family and friends who really show no interest in our podcast or anything like that have hit me up and said, do you have any connections or anything to get? I go, I have nothing. Don't expect me to help you get any free tickets for sure. And even buying them, you're just going to have to buy them like normal.
1: Um, so yeah, because that's why um, I... Like- I was accredited for the 2015 World Cup, and it's like yeah. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a bit tougher to get accredited for the men's. Yeah,
3: World I, Cup. I go. I'm not. I go. I don't even know if I'll be able to go to the games and cover the games or anything like that. That's that's highly unlikely. Um. So overall, yeah, I I, 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 I kind of saw it coming. Uh, for me, it was like I know how these international people love Vancouver. Um, the 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 Olympics the, was a proving ground that you know something big like that can be held here, and obviously, to be honest, it's it's it. I don't think the bigger games are going to be here in Vancouver, but I think we will get some of the bigger games out of the two Canadian cities for sure. Mm.
1: I mean, Zach, I think once it was announced that Vancouver was back in the mix, I I was a hundred percent confident by that point. I was doubtful that we were going to get back into it but once we got back in i i didn't think there was a shadow of doubt that that we would be hosting
0: yeah I, i'm the same like i i i wouldn't believe that they were back in until it was official but as soon as that happened you knew that they were going to get games uh feel feel really bad for for edmonton yeah um but really excited for the games the games that will be here excited to see what improvements will be made to BMO Field uh, in uh, in Toronto? Yeah, to, expanding to the capacity
1: and... from 30 to 45, apparently. Yeah, but even 45 is not that much. No. Like, it's compared to the, the American cities. Yeah, it's one of the smallest stadiums. Even BC fact,
3: Place. a number of World Cups. <laughs> I think BC Place w- might be like other than Toronto might be the smallest stadium. I don't think it, very many stadiums. No, there's a couple of are...
1: Mexican ones that are smaller than BC Place. Oh, really? Like out of Mexico and Canada, BC Place is the second largest stadium. Oh, okay. after from the, yeah, after from, the, from the stadiums, the other Mexican ones are just under but, us. All, I think but all, the, all, U- all the US ones are like 20, 30, 40,000 capacity more.
3: Yeah, they're like it, it probably the smallest. I didn't check, but I think I'm assuming the smallest is
1: probably eighty thousand capacity for for. i think there's a couple team. of 70 72 oh, okay. i had a, a quick look earlier I, I
3: know bc place can get up to 60 if they wanted yeah
1: to. the the official bed figure that they put in which can change was fifty four thousand. Yeah, because that's think... going to allow for like executive boxes and yeah that, that's boxes what and all that kind of stuff right right that that's what takes away from the like the six seven thousand they could get to if they want yeah i mean let, let's talk about edmonton just now then I do feel for them because they were in from the start. They've shown they can come out for the the Canadian games. You you saw that in the games in November. The stadium, let's be honest, it's crumbling. The infrastructure in the city isn't as good as Toronto and Vancouver, even in terms of like getting from the airport to to downtown. And then you had the demands that was put on it by the the Kenny government at, at that time, that they wanted five games, including the knockout games. Combine all of that, and as soon as Vancouver was back in the mix, I, I was pretty sure that Edmonton was going to be out. Reading reports afterwards, there were still people in Edmonton that thought they had a chance. I do feel for them, but I, I, I understand the decision. I, I still think it would have been better with three Canadian cities,
3: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm the stadium there. I know. I, i know zach's been there but from what i can see just on tv like it doesn't look like that it'd be able to handle i think Bemo's is actually in better shape than what mm. the commonwealth is um i don't even know if they still call it commonwealth or something else yeah. you know, they probably have a name for it oh do they still call it commonwealth or yeah. something like maybe have a branded name or something like that oh no, um, it,
0: it, it's it, the stadium's fine for the for the, like capacity and size and stuff it just you, i mean it'll it would need like bc like bc plays need a a grass field and whatever it's more there I think there I mean it do, I mean it does need upgrades as well I think stadium, yeah but, I, I, but but not capacity wise but the, the I think the city and the infrastructure and, and all that the one the only thing I'll say about the only to me one of the only upsides of there being only two Canadian teams as opposed to three or even four if, if you consider Montreal is that the fact that now dividing up 10 games doesn't feel so bad whether yes. it's 5 and 5 or 6 and 4 or whatever it doesn't it doesn't feel so bad so uh if it was going to be 3 dividing up 10 games would have felt not good
4: yeah,
1: yeah. i mean it, looking at the game so canada gets 10 games in the the group stage the round of 32 and then the round of 16 Now... The way that this World Cup is set up, and we won't go too much into about who's going to be there, et etc. et cetera. We'll maybe do that in a nice extra podcast. It would, it would be
0: easier to say who's not going to be there.
1: Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> I'd put money on us not making it with the expansion. Because although it's expansion, UEFA was only actually getting three more spots. So there's only going to be 16 UEFA teams in, which, yeah. based on this qualification, we, we would have been one of them. But initially, there is going to be 16 groups of three. So each host city is going to host a group. So you're going to get a group of three. Now, that means Toronto's going to get three games and Vancouver is going to get three games. Now, after that, Canada hosts two round of 16 games and two round of 32 games. It kind of would make sense that you would have five and five because of the East-West split. And yeah. FIFA have already come out and said they appreciate the expanse of travel and they want to minimise travel, especially in the early stages. So I think they're going to try and have like regional east and west divides for as much as they can. So, I mean, for me, five and five makes total sense. But in saying that, there's obviously going to be 10,000 more people in Vancouver. So do FIFA think, well, I'd rather have more bums and seats and we give Vancouver that extra game?
3: very good question um it's
1: uh, for me like um it all depends
3: on on the like the way they set it up that's the biggest thing and we don't know how they set up because it's the first time like you said they're going to do 48 teams are they because they right now they have the seattle vancouver
1: kind of connection where they can do something there
3: and you,
1: you could technically have the group winner runners up from yeah. seattle and vancouver just playing around and switching and stuff
3: exactly so it's it's gonna be hard to see how they they forget and the thing is if you're gonna have one like if you're gonna have canada travel from east to west and you're gonna have more teams like i remember brazil was uh, like people were traveling a lot in there
1: maybe not as much as uh, Yeah, th- this North is America. the biggest but, ever in terms yeah. of expanse i mean even but, russia but was big but
3: Brazil was pretty big too. I, I remember, the, I remember seeing the travel. Like one team had to go from here to there, to there. So I think if they keep it like steady in one spot, that'll be interesting to see.
0: I, I think I think you're right. I think what you'll see is you'll see like if they if they want to keep uh, a group in each city, that's fine. But I think what you'll see is for the round of 32, you'll see um, them set it up so that like you know, like a like partner up. So, you'll see like yeah. Seattle, Vancouver, those groups in the round of 32, their winners will, you know, you'll likely be in one, uh, one or the other. I guess with the only one, there's not two teams from each of those. Yeah. There's going to no be some So, go
1: through from each group. So, Does it I two mean, go you go through from each group? Yep. Because it's going to be around the 32. Oh,
0: right. 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 Okay. So, then that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Is you're going to have, you're going to have like the partner up like that. And then, like, the, you know, Vancouver's eight, a top team will play seattle's second team and seattle's top team will be vancouver's second team and one will be in one city and the other yeah. will be in the other city <laughs> I,
1: it's, I mean for, for but travel- can you
0: imagine can you imagine the if, if happens
3: where canada is the you know host team in vancouver but they finish second place so they have to travel to seattle to yeah. play and that'd be like so uh maybe they can make
1: arrangements where they figure out they could change it last minute or something i don't know if. They, no, i would not think so i mean but that, that does raise the question of where will canada be based and i again i can see it being vancouver because we've got that yeah. extra capacity
0: yeah exactly same here and toronto is is vancouver is the, uh, very diverse but toronto is even more diverse mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah you could put I, a, is, a lot of different countries there Sorry, sorry for laughing there. We're recording this live, and I have on the background the uh, the Bull TFC game, and there was kind of a, a, funny, oh, a funny moment. moment. I, forgot funny moment. To,
1: I forgot to PVR that. Also, the, the the Canada Under Twenty game is going to be kicking off as well at five thirty right. on YouTube. Uh, yeah, we're giving away exactly when we're recording this first part. We're doing this yeah. pre and post Dallas. Sorry, so. you, yeah. <laughs> that's fine. I just we open our world to people. Uh, I mean, was there any surprise omissions or inclusions for you from the the other 14 cities? Well, mainly, I guess, the American cities. I I looked at who had made it through to the last stage, and out of that, the only ones that I could maybe have made a case for were Denver and Orlando. But Miami's got in, obviously, instead of Orlando. Yeah. I, I didn't like that there was two Texan cities in, Houston and Dallas. I understand why, because, obviously, there's passionate fan base down there but it would have and been massive like stadiums out and massive stadiums but denver's got like the the broncos stadium so i mean it's massive as well so
0: just just to just to clarify the the, t- the cities that w- didn't get in the us were orlando baltimore washington uh what do you say do you say denver, denver and there was, one, was other, one of them and there's was, was there one more
1: um, well it? there was various ones who got kicked out at different stages because Cincinnati were in the mix at one oh, point right. Chicago were in the mix at one point well I think
3: Chicago like well, they, they actually they got yeah, out they pulled out yeah because yeah.
1: of finances I, I was a little surprised that Boston was picked. I guess for proximity to like Toronto even a, a new New York stroke New Jersey it makes sense but it's a crumbling stadium. And it, I don't know. I I that was my only maybe surprise. Some folk were surprised Kansas City got in, but I thought they've shown that they've got a a rabid football loving fan base there. I I think that's worthwhile, and it's slap bang in the middle of the country. Yeah, yeah. and they're
3: they're if they're playing in, I'm assuming they're playing in the NFL stadium, and that's yeah. one yeah, of the loudest stadiums yeah. Yeah. out there. Um, the <laughs> Boston one. I the only thing I. could the only reason I could think of Boston is, and I don't know what other cities are in in that like area, uh, but it, it does make sense to be close to New York, and you got uh, another team on the East Coast, so it's easy to travel in. Yeah, and then obviously the Irish, if your Ireland makes it, then that makes oh, a big deal true. for a, oh, the Irish fan I Imagine base
1: Ireland getting based in Boston, that would be insane. <laughs> yeah, I'd like Canada and Scotland here. I Canada, Scotland, and Germany.
0: The problem with Foxborough though is it's so far out there,
1: right? Like it's yeah,
0: it's not nowhere near Boston.
1: <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's no. very. It's That's very why far. they went with New York, stroke New Jersey.
0: Yeah, like I remember, I remember last time when in '94, and they, I mean, there were some really great games at Foxborough, but yeah, it's very far away.
1: Yeah, uh, the the West Coast games are fantastic because they're all like if you wanted to drive down to them from Vancouver, you can as well. Yeah. So uh, it, it's just it's so exciting. And if we talk about BC Place just just quickly, fifty-four and a half thousand is what was on the their bid, and then that could maybe come come and go. I mean, what's it gonna mean for for the city? What's it gonna mean in terms of infrastructure in Vancouver? We touched on this before when we came back in the bid. You're going to see facilities upgraded throughout the city. You're gonna see new facilities built. When the Women's World Cup was here, Empire Field got two brand new pitches put in for the training. So you'd yeah. imagine they're going to use that. They'll probably redo Trillium. They'll probably do more stuff up at the up at UBC as well and maybe build some, some new ones elsewhere in the city. It also means we're going to get some friendly games here beforehand. You're going to get teams coming here to train. It, it's massive. It's just it's so good and hopefully... And other infrastructure like transit and stuff can get tweaked over the next four years as well. And hopefully they stop construction for a bit. <laughs> forget,
0: forget about all those practical things, Michael. This means there's going to be, I don't know for how long, but there's going to be a grass pitch at BC Place. Yeah. Or, what, I, and nice? I hope they keep it there. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen.
3: No, that's not going to happen. Um, the, the, the biggest thing for me is, I, I, I think the thing is a lot of facilities are up and ready to go. I agree with you that the Empire... Um, my, uh, I have a couple of like hopes that maybe this can jump start a like a soccer specific stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they can find something like that in the budget to do something like that. Well, Hastings if Park's
1: they... been rumored for a while of knocking down the race course and putting a big stadium in there.
3: Yeah. And then the other one would be that um, maybe some people get excited about like the soccer feel in, in Vancouver and it might attract a new owner. To the Whitecaps by then, or oh, something like that. I never so, thought of that. So... Aspect.
1: I thought of like player aspects that <laughs> a player might be based here and see the city and fall in love with it, and then all of a sudden, a big name player wants to come and be in Vancouver.
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping like uh, my, my my like uh, like you, I'll use the example. What 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 did I just who just had new ownership? Somebody just had new ownership. Well, in RS, RSL did no, it wasn't RSL. I'm, I'm just thinking about maybe it could be a different sport, but I just saw that like that. That new group come in and it's just completely changed the team. And I just feel like if 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 Van that's what Vancouver needs right now with the Whitecaps, and we'll okay. talk about that more later.
1: But yeah, I I mean that big burning question: How will BC play security handle all the pitch invaders?
0: <laughs> Dude, there was uh, not very well. <laughs> there was pitch invaders at the Germany's thrashing of of Italy. It was happening all
1: over. What was the? There was a whole bunch of
0: kids. They were the young. They were young. Yeah, there was
1: little kids that were running on the pitch. Was it during the Costa Rica game? I can't remember now. I just remember remember. little kids running on on the pitch. Oh, it might have been. Oh no, it was in Honduras. Honduras, Canada. There was pitch invaders at that, and there was little kids just running on the pitch, and stopping the game. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. So, I mean, what what will this mean for the White Caps? For one thing, it means they're probably going to have to vacate the stadium and be on the road for a, a little bit of spell. Although MLS, well, I, mean, I think will MLS will shut down. Yeah, no, that, it, think... it, def- it definitely will. But maybe they'll go to a winter schedule. For well, that year. <laughs> I mean, who knows how soon FIFA want to take over BC Place? That, that's yeah. one of the things still to get sorted out. So, I mean, the Caps could be having a big spell of games on on the road, and genuinely, it it could attract future players here if they do come to the city and they and they fall in love with it. I think that's very possible. Those were some of the the questions I had. So I got a chance to to sit down with Axel Schuster this afternoon to put some of those to him. Let's hear what he had to say. (laughs) To start things off, Axel, big news on Thursday. Vancouver officially confirmed as a, a host city for the 2026 World Cup. I think once we were back in it, it was pretty much expected that we were going to be picked as a host city and get some games. But you were there at the announcement on Thursday. Just what, what's your initial thoughts of the the World Cup coming to the, the city that you now call home?
5: They have been overwhelmingly positive, and I can tell everyone that nobody was really 100% sure. There was a lot of nervousness around it i know that fifa has made some decisions very late and there was no information uh somebody got in in advance so i can really tell you that the excitement was great people were celebrating and my first thought was uh, this is uh, the biggest thing for uh, for soccer in vancouver and uh, we all have now to work very good together to 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 have everything prepared and doing everything right to also use that momentum to grow the sport in, in our province.
1: Now, you're from a, a country that's hosted two World Cups now, the, the last one being in, in 2006, which I, I know you were at. What can it mean to a country to to be the, the hosts and, and what can it mean to a city to, to be a host city?
5: Yeah, people ask me that. Very often, so I, 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 the, the synergy I uh, use it is as uh, uh, the analogy that I use is: uh, um, imagine every single World Cup game is comparable to a Super Bowl game. So yeah. that gives you a feeling how big those games are and what it means for a city. Uh, it's not. It's not that only soccer and is is there and and people that are connected with the game are there and that people are coming to the city. I can tell that everyone, people that had nothing to do with the sport before, people that never looked at any game results or news around soccer, were speaking and asking asking me about soccer uh, when the game came to Germany and the games have been in our city.
1: Yeah, I, I've only ever been to one World Cup, which was the 94 one, funnily enough, in America. And it's just the whole buzz in the cities. It, it's just amazing. I, I can't wait to, to have it here. I mean, obviously, we had the women's one here, but this is on a much bigger scale. And hopefully there's going to be a, a lot more events around it. And if we're talking kind of specifically about Vancouver now and, and the white caps, what can this mean? To the White Caps, I mean, it's a chance to showcase the city, but is it also perhaps a, a chance to attract some World Cup ca- class players that might experience Vancouver for the first time and they would maybe never have thought of coming here as a destination before?
5: I think first and foremost, it means for us a lot because I think the excitement around soccer will become bigger. I met, uh, I met a father at the event who said hey my kids never have played soccer they were not even interested in that and today they asked me hey we would like to sign up for some camps and play soccer so I think the uh, the grassroots programs will will become bigger and more kids will play and more people playing in this country soccer means that in the pyramid also more players will come up and up and and at the end will make a path to to uh, Uh, professional game so for us this definitely is is the biggest thing around the world cup and around the the excitement that is now coming with all our platforms that we have in bc league one now with mls next pro where we only play canadian kids from our programs and uh to 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 develop more players that can play on mls level for us and other than that of course uh um, it will focus uh, the world of soccer more onto the North American market. Um, it, will, it will maybe also attract a few players that always thought about maybe going over to MLS to be there at the World Cup, to play here during the World Cup, um, especially players that, that maybe have seen that already in the past. And finally, it will mean that um, the 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 whole thing will grow. The whole MLS, the whole CPL, every soccer program in the country will grow. And I always say, I compare it a little bit with what happened in South Korea. I was at that World Cup two thousand two, and uh, the the host team South Korea made it up to the semi final and, and had to challenge, challenge Germany in a very difficult game. And since then. South Korea is a total different soccer nation than it ever has been before. They are going automatically, without any doubt, to any, every World Cup. And they're a real uh, difficult team to play with a lot of quality players that are playing across the world. And I think all of that together uh, will will be the thing that, that means a lot to, to everyone who is involved in soccer.
1: Obviously, it's four years away. So, I mean, there, there's still a lot of things to get sorted out and a lot of planning. And we don't even know how many games we're, we're getting here yet or whatever. But you mentioned the, the, the Whitecaps and you've been in the loop with all the discussions since Vancouver came back in. Obviously, it's going to be a, a tough time for the team as well. I mean, you would expect MLS will shut down, but there's a good chance that you might not have a home stadium for a, a big chunk of... Of that year before it and and during it, but what kind of discussions have you had around stuff like that, or is it just way too early to even think of stuff like that just now?
5: Yeah, I don't really see a big problem in that because uh, um, first of all, during the World Cup, there will be no MLS games. Uh, I think not even the people don't allow that, so and mm. um, the people shut down and. Uh, everyone will be involved in this event, so we don't need the stadium for the time of the of the games. And uh, if that means that the stadium has to be prepared two weeks before, maybe, but two weeks are also not a big difference maker. Yeah. We are playing three, four games on the road right now, this season without the World Cup in, in Vancouver. So I think we, we have said from the way first beginning, we're very proud that the games are coming to our city, and we are very proud to be... Uh, uh, one one party in 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 supporting it and and helping that it becomes a fantastic event and uh, we are here to to help and to do what is necessary with all our soccer knowledge with our with our facilities that is that fulfills all the requirements of FIFA so we only see that positive and uh, if they're at the end we have to play one game more on the road uh, a, a
1: few weeks before the World Cup and. and I really don't have the with that. So. I think my my one big thing I I would hope you're going to push for as well is that the grass pitch stays beyond 2026. But I know there's lots of other things out with your control of that. But th- thanks for for your stuff on that, Axel.
4: <laughs>
1: Axel Schuster, there just talking about the excitement of. Getting the World Cup in Vancouver, what it means to the city, what it could mean to to the Whitecaps. And of course, Zach, being German, Germany's hosted two World Cups, 74, 2006. I know you were over at the the 2006 one, so you know firsthand what it can do for a country and you know what it can do for a, a city and also for teams in the cities.
0: Yeah, this is a crazy exciting time. Like, this is... We've had this conversation in an unfortunate way over the last couple of weeks, in terms of the the conversation about with the players and the money they want and whatever, and you know all this stuff. But the Canada being awarded the World Cup and the beginning of the Canadian Premier League and Canadian soccer business; these are all interconnected. Like mm-hmm. this is all part of. This is all kind of one big movement that's kind of happening. And so the World Cup is a, a, a significant factor in it all because one of the things that the CPL owners know or the people who started the CPL is, yeah, they're going to not do well at the beginning, but they know that that going towards a World Cup and coming out of a World Cup, there is a massive opportunity to... Yeah, it's like um,
1: golden gooses coming to, yeah, yeah. to the country. And I mean, so, well, that—that's the thing. Like we talk about MLS shutting down, which it definitely will. Yeah. Well, the CPL shut down. I mean, FIFA might mandate that they have to, but I yeah. mean, if they played games, there's eyes of the world then in Canada, and they might have more eyes on them. And fans come in to see them. Players could get in the shop window, and I think it would be good if they could play as long as they avoided clashes. But I think I—I th- I don't know if they'll be allowed to.
3: I, I don't see how they can like you know how FIFA takes over like when when they come mm-hmm. into a country they they'll it's it's gonna be up to them it's, it's, it's their yeah. mandate so there might be a situation where they might have to play a lot of games in a short period of time maybe they do another tournament to begin the season oh, get a whole maybe. bunch of games in take a break and then then continue the season after the World Cup is over I hope but I don't they got to... to-
1: I say, to, I canada... I don't have to miss the world cup final because i'm con- i'm commentating on leave one BC. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is with canada
3: canada will need to uh the canadian soccer sh- sorry will need to use this uh world cup to try to boost cpl it has to be done in some way yeah. whether it's games being played or some other venue but it, it needs to use this to get uh like more aspect like for example if you want to buy a game to, uh, uh like season ticket holders for cpl Uh, get first shot at buying tickets to the World Cup games or something like that. Something like that has to be done where they they can tie it into the success of CPL, whether
0: short-term or long-term. I don't know if they can do that, but I agree with you, it would
1: be a good idea. Yeah, I don't know if they can, but I would love that. That would be a No, there should
3: be an allotment of of, of tickets that CPL CPL fans should be able to get. Yeah,
1: the only thing is FIFA's controlling it. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm going to buy, I'm going to try and get tickets and buy them just in case we don't get accredited yeah. I just I don't want to miss out on this. So if I end up yeah. with tickets and accredited, great. But last thing then to talk about in this bit, the cost aspect. Uh, it's been mentioned by many people. It's estimated that for Vancouver alone, 240 to 260 million could be cost for security, for refurbishments, et cetera, et cetera. But it's also estimated 270,000 visitors could be coming. The value to the local economy, both pre, during, and particularly post, is said to be way over a billion. So it's kind of affordability now, or I guess it's risk v reward. You're spending the money now in the hope that you're going to get a big thing out of it, which is what the Olympics were as well naturally as football people we're going to say that we feel it's worth it if we try and be unbiased is it worth it well like for me like the if i'll use
3: the olympics as an example they put on the olympics and the city did not suffer financially like they're mm-hmm. uh, like you hear of horror stories like greece or something like that or other countries oh i they went put some to greece summer-
1: in 2006 after they hosted the olympics in 2004 and there was it was white elephants of stadiums yeah. and venues that were just not being used
3: the thing is, is is the olympics showed that you could build something and then repurpose it for something else later on like i'll use the richmond uh, uh oval or whatever they had yeah. and one example of that so there is possibilities where they can build something uh a future people can use it like if they have to Upgrade stadiums like you talk about Trillium and and uh, Ex- Exhibition Stadium or uh, whatever they call it I can't remember Empire Stadium um, and so they, if they build these things up and be used later there is definitely use of that like you basically budget it in and you're saying two hundred seventy thousand people coming in you know. What I don't know what the math would be like if they if everybody spends a
1: thousand dollars, isn't that like break even with the cost?
4: Yeah. Or
3: something
1: like that to the effect. So for I mean, me, the local economy, restaurants and bars, the yeah. businesses that suffered so much in the last two years, and probably this is not going to be beneficial to the people listening to this, but
3: maybe spread the word. If you're not interested in the FIFA World Cup and you don't you don't want to deal with all these people coming into the city, you have four years to plan a trip out of the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, take a take, go for a two <laughs> three three weeks. Rent your place out, make your money. Yeah, Rent your, yeah. your own place out, make some money, go on a trip, get out of the city, and enjoy uh like don't complain about it because you have a chance to get out. That's I've like, already
1: yeah. promised my spare room to Eve from the Ballers Drown podcast in return for dog sitting duties, so we've already struck that deal. <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> for for any of my friends in Scotland that might be happen to be listening to this, there's no room at the inn. <laughs> Um yeah, I think
0: I think uh my yeah, my understanding is that the Olympics did fine financially
1: and and uh, I think this would be a similar thing. um I think the Olympics also put Vancouver on the map to many people that had never they maybe knew the name, but they didn't really know much yeah. about the city. Oh, and this yeah. will be a little
3: bit bigger because, the, honestly, the Winter Olympics are not as huge as the Summer Olympics, so I think the World Cup will even be bigger. Like, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah, course. globally, yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: I, I just hope everyone can get behind it, and we've touched on this before. Oh. We won't go into this again. I just hope that all this regional pissing contest yeah. between the East and the West and all that just dies down and just everyone is behind it. And we're if it's a five-and-five five split, that would help. But if Vancouver gets six... And Toronto get four or vice versa. Just be happy. Canada's hosting a World Cup.
3: Oh, I, I, I thought you meant. I thought you meant the other part where everybody else, like in the regular public, is going to. Be oh happy yeah, that's is, yeah, a, that's, not no, that's not going to happen. No,
1: no, yeah, that's just not going to be good. But it's exciting times. It's exciting times in Vancouver. It's exciting times in Canada. It's also exciting times for Major League Soccer, who announced a massive new ten-year broadcasting deal this week. And we'll be back chatting about that after this.
6: Hi, I'm Afonso Davies and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
1: Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, we've played this song in the show before. I'll play it again, probably many times in the future. It's by one of my all-time favourite bands from Edinburgh in Scotland. They're called Idlewild. That is a single from their fourth studio album, The Remote Part, released in 2002. That was You Held The World. In your arms, and of course, Vancouver will be hosting the World Cup and holding the world in their arms in 2026. So That's why I dug that one out. It's also the the 20th anniversary of that album. That was the their biggest hit that they they had in, in their whole career as well. Reached number nine in the UK charts, and they're actually touring that album at the moment uh, around the UK and and Europe, where they're playing it in full. And my next trip to Scotland looks like it could be coinciding with them playing that at a festival. So I'm hoping that I'm going to get over to, to see that. That would be fantastic. So we mentioned it was a, a big week, big week of news. And domestically, for Major League Soccer, a massive announcement on Tuesday. As the league announced a new broadcasting deal that had been in the making apparently for around three years. It's been signed, sealed, and delivered. It's a big one. The leak have signed a 10 year deal with Apple TV Plus to be their new broadcasting stroke streaming partner, meaning the leak will be behind a paywall from next season. Now, no confirmation from either side, but it's thought that the deal is worth $250 million a year. Which will be 2.5 billion over the 10 years. That's some investment. The previous deal with ESPN, Fox, Telemundo, TSN, etc., was thought to be about 90 million. So it's a, a big increase. To to summarise what this deal means, Apple TV will show every game in Major League Soccer, every MLS Knicks Pro game and select MLS Next Academy matches exclusively on their streaming service from 2023. There'll be no more blackouts, no more local broadcasts either, or local TV deals. Although teams can produce their own pre-game and post-game shows, you can still have that local touch to it. Um, The hope is that the league will strike some deals with linear broadcasters, to have a few games shown over the season. Whether those broadcasters like TSN will then be interested is another matter because they've been frozen out in this 10-year deal. So, will they have any interest at all in showing any of the games? Hopefully they will, especially here in Canada. You'd hope that Montreal is going to get some French stations showing it that TSN or CTV or CBC even will strike deals to have Cascadian derbies, Canadian derbies, just to, to keep these games in the public eye. The MLS service is gonna be separate from the existing Apple TV Plus service, but some select games will be shown to those subscribers and then some will be free for everyone to watch just on the, the Apple app. The service is also going to be available worldwide. So if you're traveling, you can watch your team wherever. And if you live overseas, you can pick a team and follow them. Now, there's a lot of similarities that I see in this to the deal that Sky Sports signed that changed English football in the early 90s. Is this a game changer for MLS though? Or we've seen it with Canadian soccer business and 10-year deals. Is this a handcuff deal? Could they have got more value if they'd just done a five-year deal? Time will obviously tell. But Steve, just your initial thoughts on this whole situation and and the new streaming deal?
3: Yeah, it's a little risky for MLS, but I, I I'm assuming obviously clearly they're gone for the money. Um, at this point, uh, they see the 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 you know the cost of it, it of you know maybe pissing some people off worth more like the money is worth more than. Just worrying about some people being upset about it. Um, eventually, people—if you do want to watch these games—they will sign up for the service. Um, my hope is that they do have like a you know a, a game of the week kind of situation where mm. maybe they'll alternate it between TFC, Whitecaps, and uh, I know actually TSN never shows a Montreal games. So I occasionally
1: ever, they do very
3: that, occasionally, yeah. Uh, but like the you know one week is the Vancouver game, one week is the Toronto game, and hopefully <laughs> there are away games. So you don't, you know, if you're gonna go watch the game live, you you don't have to worry about that. Um, Good point. Yeah, it's it's very it's very it's very strange for me in that I still feel like MLS is a fairly new league uh, compared, obviously, to other leagues, not only in North America but around the world, local, you know, North American uh, for other sports and uh, uh, around the world for soccer. So it's very 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 thing, but I guess like I said. 250 million is still 250 million um yeah. it's just depending on whether this hurts people does this hurt people because people can't watch
1: games at home for a way they not want to go to the home games because they don't see anything because well, the, the thing is about will pubs buy a yeah. subscription will pubs be showing mls games so i mean well, folk you might... could always get
3: a, you could always get a deal like that there might be a separate deal for there uh but uh, most most of these places they already have subscriptions because it makes financial sense for them to be able to show as much as they can. Um, yeah. The the thing is for me is like I hope they have like separate things where separate pay scales where sometimes you'll you know if you want all the games you pay a certain amount if you just want to follow your team you could pay a certain amount. That would be yeah. Good it doesn't sound
1: like that's going to yeah. be that though. I don't know how. Do you know how much they're going to charge? They no? Like, oh, this is in the air. We're going to hear from Axel Schuster shortly as well, and he revealed that for the next months, as they plan this, they're having two meetings a week oh, wow. to sort out all the, the stuff.
3: Yeah, because I know Apple themselves
1: like the normal Apple subscription. It's I think six ninety nine a
3: month. Yeah, which is not which is not too bad if it's like. If it's like MLS and then maybe they
1: charge five dollars a month, I don't know if that's plausible or not. Well, they, uh, but they had that's to something deal I... with ESPN and it, ESPN was great value. And like, if you look at the zone, it was one fifty a a year, yeah. But you were getting other things outside in, of in MLS, addition, yeah, yeah. So
3: that's the big difference there to see what you get. Because if it was, because I, I was actually thinking about getting the zone this year, uh, but uh, now obviously well, I'm they, not they've lost to the continue. Premier
1: League as well because Fubo is going to have that from August. Yeah, so I I don't well, know what to do. We'll it's touch it's on too, that there's, shortly there's too many like yeah.
3: stretched like different like I wish these leagues would get together and maybe make their own streaming service of of all the leagues and stuff like that so you could just buy one thing. And but yeah, but everything.
1: then they all want the different pieces of pie. Like yeah. NBC's deal with the English Premier League is for four hundred and fifty million a year. Yeah. So that's like way more than than MLS have done with Apple. But but M, but
3: I think more people probably watch the Premier League in North America than MLS. Yeah. I, I so I think, think that's so. the reason
1: why. I mean, what what's your thoughts on it, Zach? Uh,
0: this is the first deal that doesn't include the the, the national teams' rights, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of interesting. It, 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 you asked it earlier if it handcuffs them. I I, I think this is a good business for MLS. In terms of the money they're getting in terms of the how will this impact their ability to grow their fan bases that is a fair question Mm because not being if if they don't do a you know game of the week type deal with you know uh uh, you know traditional cable uh outlets in, in the local communities um i think that you you are limiting yourself but uh on the whole i think they'll feel really happy about this and I mean, especially because we don't know all the ins and outs of of
4: how of, of, of Oh yeah, know, still so much. What's all going
0: Yeah, but I, I think they'll, I think they'll be very, very pleased <laughs> about, about this. I, I think, I think I, it's
4: a
1: great bit of business, yeah. and it, and it does have it, the potential to completely be a game changer for soccer in this country. It's definitely, country.
3: it's definitely great money for them, but uh, like, like Zach said, does it slow down? Like. Because the, the, what the, what have they been always talking about wanting to be, what, the top four or top three league yeah. in, in North America? And if you're not putting your TV, I mean, your, sort of your games on TV for people to watch without a subscription, that hurts.
1: Well, that, so, that's the thing. It's like, is this going to freeze out the casual fans? Because how do you grow a fan base? And th- this is the problem I've said all along for CPL with this one soccer deal. How do you grow your fan base? When potential fans, stroke casual fans, can't see the product on their TV to see how good yeah. or bad it is.
3: Yeah, and that's the thing. That's why you need those games of the week to be, you know, for a mass audience. That's that's where, if you do that, then you're okay. Yeah. But if you're not able to get a game of the week on ESPN or a game of the week on Fox, that's going to hurt you.
1: Because the other thing as well, like, it's clubs like the Whitecaps that could suffer. Because yep. your LA Galaxies, your LAFCs, your Seattle's, your Portland's—they're always going to sell tickets. They've got this big fan base, and tickets here have been a bit up and down in in recent years for a number of reasons. I think it's I think it's tough for the the Whitecaps in, in that regard to try and market a product that you're maybe not seeing on on your screens very much. All season ticket holders are going to get the streaming package as part of their season ticket. Package and that I helps. think that is absolutely fantastic. That yeah, is that a helps. great bit of business. It's huge added value for selling season tickets. Yeah. But again, you're preaching to the converted there, and it's not getting these casual fans in. Yeah. Sorry. Is that, is that confirmed that yeah. it's going to be included with season tickets? Yep. Okay. Every every I, single club.
3: You're
0: going to put it on their certificate. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one, see
1: But. It, it, I think that is I think that's great and that will really help but again it's the fans that's already into the teams and into the league yeah, I, 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 it's gonna be a tough I, job to market yeah this. I totally agree with you like it's a very like it's a great cash grab but
3: it it can yeah it, it might hurt them uh, big making it bigger that's yeah, the that's biggest good. thing it's it's how much you want now as opposed to later
0: it will be awkward, though, if season tickets go up $5,200.
1: Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> well, they could, of course they could bury it. it in that. Yeah. Now, games are also now going to be solely on Wednesday nights and on Saturday nights, barring any local linear deals. Like, if they sign a deal with CTV to show Toronto, Vancouver, they might say, we want that in the afternoon. Right. Now, the, there is a window. Now, this still all has to, the, the clubs don't know how much wiggle room they've got with this. From listening to Don Garber's press conference, I took it to be the Eastern games will all be on at a set time because they want to do a whip-around show, which will be great because it's like, I've watched that for English games and stuff like that, and it's like, oh, let's go to Seattle, there's been a goal there. Let's go to Vancouver, there's been a goal there. So that's great. Um, But from from someone like Vancouver, you've got fans that might want to come from the interior, fans that might want to come from the island that don't want to stay overnight. So midweek games and Saturday games aren't great for that. So if the Whitecaps have the capacity to say, no, we'd like some afternoon games, then that'll be great. But if they don't, that could cost them a a fan base. Might be great for Pacific or any future interior CPL team. But again, that could be more fans driven away. Interesting.
3: The interesting stuff that's going to come out next yeah. year. We'll see. It but, and the thing is, it's not very much to look forward to. Like You don't have to wait for it. It's going to happen next year. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see yeah. it, I mean, there's
1: still going right? to be so much sorted out. And I always like to get too far ahead and, and ask questions that no one's got the answers for. Which is exactly what I did with Axel Schuster this afternoon. I sat down and I asked him some questions about this deal. And obviously, he's not going to know the answer to, to a lot of the stuff I was asking because it's just not been discussed yet. But here is what he did think about the deal in general for the leak, and what it means to the Whitecaps. And I know it's very early in this announcement and I don't know how much stuff's come out from MLS about it and stuff, but uh, obviously MLS uh, announced on Tuesday that there is this new 10-year broadcasting deal with Apple to, to show MLS around the world and, and showcase the league and the teams around the world. How do you see this deal from a, a Whitecaps perspective? I mean, it seems good for elevating the team and, and growing the brand outside of Vancouver, outside of North America. But I mean, locally, if fans can't maybe freely see the games on TV... Do you see that maybe making it a, a tougher challenge to, to keep the team relevant locally and get those bums on seats?
5: Uh, first of all, I only see it positive because uh, we all knew that a new broadcast deal um, comes and that this broadcast deal has to be also a game changer for the league. Um, and uh, the broadcast deal will lead, lead the league into the future. Um, I I think, first of all, most there is an additional benefit that our seasonal ticket holders get and, yeah. and they get a subscription so they can see
4: and we can offer them that they can see all 34
5: season games um, and they can follow us. It, it also comes with with platforms where we can provide additional content, where we can provide additional information. We will have pre-match, post-match, mid-season, uh, mid-week shows. Um, so, my, so much more information and so much more uh, videos, content uh, we can deliver provide to our supporters that, that I don't see uh, any, any negative things in that. Um, and uh, also, I have to say and copy what you said at the beginning, there are a lot of information that are not out yet, a lot of things that are not finally fixed. We have agreed to have a two times a week going forward a meeting with the league where we update us, where we answer questions. Wow! So on all those details, there is no confirmation yet, and there are still a lot of things we only
4: can speak later
1: about. Yeah, I t- totally understand that, and I mean, a couple of things that you touched on there, like the value to season ticket holders with having this in the package is massive and I think is a great selling point as for everything as well. And you mentioned there about the, the scope for local content. I mean, it's huge. And you've got the ability now to get the club out to a bigger audience and with more club-produced videos and features. And, I mean, you do a great job of that as it is. And I, for the last couple of years, especially during the pandemic, I guess the club have basically been... Content providers. Anyway, this is obviously going to take it to a, a whole different level. D- do you see yourself really expanding to to just try and get as much stuff out there now as possible?
5: Yes, we we are working on that. We have started the discussions around that. We will build an own department for it. Not that we have not a content department. Well, we will we will extend that to to uh, a content producer, a programmer. Mm. Um, that delivers more of it on the new platforms and uh, we will we will hire people for that. Um, and we have put the bar very high. We want to be in the top three in this league in, in, in content that is produced by the club, that tells the story about the club. I also think about all the various departments we have. Uh, I think about our soccer academies across the country, girls and boys, 20,000 Club kids that are pl- training with our batch,
4: yeah.
5: um, that we can also give a platform to where we can we can acknowledge that, where we can tell the stories about them. So we see so many upsides for us as a club because we are a very unique club uh, with a very unique setup, a position with the programs across from east to west coast. That we want to use this also for us as a game changer in the way how we deliver information how we approach our supporters
1: how we uh, how we get connected with with soccer enthusiasts yeah I mean the the scope is fantastic and like I genuinely feel that the Whitecaps are one of the best clubs just now in MLS with with the stuff that you do produce because you you get so much good stuff out there Uh, from the kind of fans in the stadium point of view Games are going to be on Wednesdays and Saturdays barring maybe some local deals here and there for the, for the odd game. I like that because I like to know that a games on those specific nights and like growing up in Scotland, you knew Saturday afternoon that was when you went to to watch your your team and stuff. So you, you've got that kind of stability now, but obviously that then means maybe fans from the island or fans from the interior. Might struggle to get to some of those games. Is that something that you might then have to 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 work on a little bit, especially midweek games where are they are notoriously a bit of a hard sell here.
5: Yeah, but I see it a little bit different because uh, we all know that uh, the regular season has to be played in thirty to thirty-two weeks. That's the window the AMA has always had in the last years. Yeah, and then there in the in this in this thirty to thirty-two weeks there are breaks and. Uh, uh, international windows, so the weeks are not enough to play every game on a weekend, and this is not will not change in future so we play we we will play or have played already a few and uh, in this whole season we will play play five games mid season mid-season, uh, mid week yeah. and on top of that we this year we play seven games on the sunday by by research and asking our fans, we know that the absolute favorite day is Play on Saturday. Yeah, I think that we will end up with more Saturday games than we have yet, and we will have a similar amount of mid midweek games uh, we have now because it is hasn't said or nobody has said that we will now play always in midweeks on Wednesdays. It is only we only have uh, uh, fixed that it will only play on those two days and it will not be. Uh, the majority of the games will only play on Wednesday and, and Saturday, and there will be an absolute exemption that games will be played on Tuesday or Sunday or
1: Friday. So, I mean, overall, I really like the deal. I think it's fantastic for the league. I think it's fantastic for getting more eyeballs and maybe the some of the less fashionable clubs, clubs that maybe don't get their games on ESPN and Fox just now and everything like that as well. The only downside is... For me, it just means that if football fans are, are wanting to to watch MLS, if they're wanting to watch the Canadian Premier League, if they're wanting to watch the English Premier League, and or if they're wanting to watch Champions League, they're going to have to have four different streaming services now. If money's tight and folk have to choose, do you see there maybe being a danger that they don't choose MLS? Or what does the league and the clubs need to do to make sure that they think, oh, this is this is great, this is what we want to do?
5: Yes. Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to say that we, of course, cannot control what other leagues do and how they sell their deals. So we yeah. only can care and have to care about what, what we can do for our fans. And we have to do the best we can do. I think that we have now... Streamlined everything onto one platform you can see every single game of our league on one platform with one subscription and you can see it everywhere in the world if you travel somewhere or if you if you living somewhere else and you want to follow follow a favorite player that is playing mls you can see everything of that on one single platform in addition we provide the additional benefits to all seasonal ticket holders that they get this subscription as an add-on. So, said that, I think that's the best MLS can do to help fans and to help uh, soccer um, followers that also want to see other leagues and they want to see as much as possible. Because uh, I don't think, unfortunately, that we will get, We can go back to old times when I started to, uh, to, <laughs> to, to, to follow soccer and watch games that there have been only two channels in Germany
4: both yeah. of
5: free, and every single football content was shown on them we will not get their back so I think we as a league have done the best job we can do on that things that we can control
1: yeah absolutely I mean I, I was the same I had the, the same kind of channels just to, to pick from when I, I was growing up as well but thank you so much for your time today Axel as always
5: thank you very much Michael <laughs>
1: So Axel Schuster there feels it's a great deal for the league. It's going to be a great deal for the Whitecaps. I agree. It is. I I think it is a really good deal. I'm very excited by this. It's a one-stop shop. You've got everything there. The big downside, though, and Steve touched on it there, it's the cost of streaming in general because if you want to see everything, it's ridiculous how many different things you need to buy now and the cost. Now, folk have argued on Twitter when I've put this out this week, just be grateful that you've got this because years ago you didn't and cable TV didn't show all these leagues and they didn't show all those games. And I, I, I totally accept that that is, is the case. But right now, if you want to watch MLS, you need this Apple deal. If you want to watch the CPL, you need One Soccer or Football. If you want to watch the English Premier League from August, you need Football. If you want to watch the national team, football stroke one soccer. If you want to watch the UEFA Champions League and Ni- Nations League and international games, you need to zone. So, four different services, five if you include home team live for League One BC. Highly recommend that to listen to me and Gideon calling those games. But I mean, it is, it's all starting to add up. And money's getting tighter for folk. There's a a credit crunch, the cost of living's increasing. At some point, folk are going to say, I can't afford all these, and they're going to pick what ones they want. And that is the risk that MLS have. How high does MLS feature in folk's priorities? Will they put the English Premier League or the Champions League above MLS? And a lot of folk will. Yeah, that's a very good point
3: uh it'll all depend on like do they put all the money the people that want to watch this put all their money into soccer and, and take it away from other aspects like it's well, that as well yeah like so there's there's like so much uh competition out there for these kind of streaming services uh and, and it's and like you got netflix who just raised their prices um the, yeah. this week and, and, like
1: and they're wanting to to clamp down on, uh, Account sharing and stuff as well, because I've spoken before. Like we we use Caitlin's dad's account for Netflix, and I I got a free Amazon Prime thing, and then you've got Disney Plus, and it's like it's all these different streaming services, and yeah, it's great cost cutting, getting rid of cable. But if you want all these different things, it adds up, and I know that cable then doesn't show all these things. But at some point, folks are going to have to make choices. And it's just annoying when you sign up to something like Zone, and then they lose the rights to the thing that a lot of folks signed up for. I still want Zone because I want to get the darts and I want to get the boxing and I think they've still got the English Championship, but then they've also got the UEFA International Games and Champions League. So, football make decisions and it's how well MLS market their league and how well they decide to get people wanting to to buy into this and if it's priced right they'll do that if the yeah, price is like, too high they won't like for me as an
3: example the tsn i basically i think i only get it for mls i can't remember anything maybe nfl in september but i don't get it for really anything else so yeah. yeah. i you need want. to make a decision i watch aw on it and
1: that's the oh i forgot thing. about that <laughs> Next year, right? that's yeah that's you're right yeah there's, a, there's well. like there's other ways i can watch Ew yeah. as well
0: yeah, for, I watched for, watch Formula 1 on TSM. But yeah, I'm, I think I'm cancelling Sportsnet until the Bundesliga restarts. Oh, I've, I
1: cancelled Sportsnet and added in the package on TELUS that had one soccer in and boxing and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So right. I, I then got rid of Sportsnet because there was nothing on Sportsnet I wanted apart from maybe some FA Cup games. But with a VPN you can watch those on BBC and ITV over in the UK. So but then you're paying for the VPN. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But that's been one of the best best yeah. investments I've made. And so many folk have said, oh, you should get IPTV and all that stuff, which obviously is uh, Little pushing shady. the boundaries of Yeah, yeah allegedly. Le- legi- legitimacy and stuff like that. People are allegedly out telling you to get Yes. That. But we'll see what happens. If MLS price it right, it'll be a big success. It's going to be a success anyway but it could be stratospheric if they do do the good pricing on this and there's going to be all these other shows and as axel said there i mean the white caps are going to be content pre- providers and they're going to be expanding all the stuff that they do so exciting times for mls we're going to keep the mls chat coming next as we turn our attention now to the white caps they've been in action twice This week and since our last episode, we're going to look at those Seattle and Dallas games after this.
5: Hi, I'm Vanni Sartini and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
1: Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of June, out of Brooklyn, New York. Three-piece band Thick, with the title track from their 2020 debut album, Five Years Behind. Hope you've checked them out on Bandcamp. They've got a fantastic back catalogue of stuff and their their debut album, I've had it non-stop play in the car since I picked it up at the, the gig a the, the few weeks ago great band let me know what you think of them so 5 Years Behind, that's the title of the song there, also the title of their album and watching that game on Tuesday night between the Whitecaps and Seattle would you say the Whitecaps were 5 years behind Seattle or am I being generous there
3: I think they probably feel like they're the players. Maybe <laughs> felt like they were five years behind because they had no confidence at all in that game. I felt, I, 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 I honestly think that somebody needs to show these current group of players the the four one game um, <laughs> back in the day because they 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 need to see that they're capable of winning in Seattle. Seattle is not that scary of a place. Like there was times, you know between the Robinson and DeSantos era where, uh, I'm sorry, after the Robinson and DeSantos where they were, they were a pretty crappy team where they were probably five years behind. Mm. But I don't think they're that far behind. I can't remember the lineup totally from that day, but I don't think it was that bad from the Seattle game. I I tried to block most of it out of memory. I mean, I kind of, so I I feel like, I I feel, I feel, I feel like that they, they're just like their mentality is like going into these games is not good, yeah, and that, that's what's costing them the points in the, the you know five years of not winning or fifteen years or whatever. It's well, that was the thing that was that three. was the other way uh, I was going down years. that
1: as well, yeah, because it's like fifteen yeah. games without a win now. The last one coming five years ago in twenty seventeen. It's they, they need to they need to get that victory just to get that monkey off their back, and as you say, get that confidence. Watch some of those previous wins over seattle because we've gone toe-to-toe with them in the past when we've had a worse team than than we currently have to be honest that's why i think mentality is a big big factor in this i mean there's not too much i want to say about that seattle game to to be honest zach there's not much you can say about that performance it was pretty horrible all round they were far too easily cut open and of course Ruby diaz and ladero did the damage Ryan Gould, brutally honest, after the game. The The players were ashamed. They didn't want to sugarcoat it. They knew that they were bad. Then Vanni Sartini said that the, the team was too sleepy and came out too sleepy. And who's responsible for that, though? Like, Vanni can only G them up so much. Some of the responsibility has to be on the players. But then... It's also the coach's job to have them ready to go on that field. And you don't want them too G'd up in a derby that they start flying in like Cava with tackles a few minutes in and getting early bookings or whatever. But if you can't get up for a derby game and you start that sleepy, you've got to question some of these players' mentality.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know there's been players and coaches in the past who've talked about how, oh, you know, it's... You can't think of it as a bigger game. You have to think about it as another game. Kind yeah, of game. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't really subscribe to that mentality. No, me, me neither. Uh, um, it's, it's a special, it's a special game. Um, in terms of who's responsible for getting them, you know, uh, prepared. Uh, yeah, I think it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B when it comes mm-hmm. to the players and the coaches, right? Obviously, the the coach and coaches are, are responsible for uh, making sure that they're, they have the right mindset and. You know, they all know what their roles are and all that kind of stuff, but yeah, the players then have to go then live that out, right? Yeah. So I don't think I don't think any you know Sartini or any of the coaches would have been taking it easy in terms of the you know trying to get them ready. But um, yeah, it, it was a pretty it was a pretty woeful uh, performance all around in terms of the five years thing. You know, are they five years behind Seattle? In some ways, it feels longer, but or sorry, like it feels like they're even further behind Seattle. However, MLS is a league that if you, I mean, if you spend right, if you, if you use the mechanisms appropriately, you can turn things around really, really, really quickly. Uh, it's just whether or not your, your organization is willing to do that.
1: But it's also, as we always say, it's spending money the right way and on the right personnel. Yeah. Cause we've spent totally. money in recent years totally. on players that in hindsight, which is always a wonderful thing. It, I mean, it's not great. But I mean, we're level on points as we record this right now with Seattle. Also, no, no years behind the toe.
3: And 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 to make a point of uh, uh, what Zach was saying, it takes no time to turn it around <laughs> a team. Well, they sure turned it around over in a week, basically over four or five days. I, yeah. I if there was a song about, you know, you know, like correlating to a tale of two cities, that would be a good song to play going into this because this was a tale of two games, basically.
4: Wow. What
1: a difference four days makes! That's yeah. Absolutely. What? Wow. Oh, well, I was going to say mean, that it was different looking team, but it was because there was seven changes. And then the one thing I I want to make a point
3: to, I, I thought I heard this somewhere, but I, you guys can probably confirm this. They didn't name a player of the match for the Seattle game like they typically do.
4: Like
3: a, a, oh, a, a, a know, man of the match or player I didn't a player even of the look match. at that. Yeah, apparently, from what I heard is that uh, I saw. I think I saw somewhere on Twitter that they didn't name anybody because okay. that apparently came from the players not to name anybody or or the coaches or something like that.
1: Well, I mean, Blake yeah. Price That's mentioned to, today about the players didn't want social media to try and gloss over it. They wanted to paint a picture that they were horrible, and they wanted yeah. to get across that they know that they were horrible. And I do like that self-awareness because so often. Like Robbo was one of the worst for this. You'd put a positive spin on a horrible performance and the fans are watching you and like Rennie was bad for that as well. And it's like, you know, it's a bad performance. Yeah. Um. So if you try and sugarcoat it and just make things up, you lose some respect from the fans. So I do like that, that brutal honesty. But I mean, if you want brutal honesty... What what a different team that, that was today. I, I went with my match report off. We went from being sleepy in Seattle to dangerous or deadly in Dallas, however you want to look at it, yeah. right from the off. And I know it was a fortunate goal. And it was an ugly goal, let's be honest. But who cares? It ends up in the back of the net. You, you get a deflection from Dahomey's ball into the box that could have gone anywhere, happened to run through to Cava wasn't the best shot, and then passing the goal, just stuck his arm out, it hits it, it flies up, could have gone wide, ends up just bouncing in. You take it. You, you need to get those breaks sometimes, and it was great that the Whitecaps actually got it.
3: Yeah, but the, the finish might have been bad, but the lead up to the goal was fantastic. Yeah, like, it was a very quick and... transition
1: and really and quick then... movement, the Colombian connection.
3: Yeah, and then Cavallini, like after the flick, make sure he gets into the box really well. Yeah, uh, gets into the right position. So while you know the finish might have been clumsy or whatever, but they did make it. Like they kind of turned Dallas all around on that play.
1: I mean, going into the sack, I I don't know why. Like in our Whitecaps media group, before the game, we, we give our predictions, and I said I'm basing this on nothing. Two one Whitecaps. So I was close. But I don't know. I just had this feeling that they were gonna just have a response from Tuesday night, and they certainly did.
0: Yeah, there definitely was the right kind of reaction, and yeah, it was extremely fortunate. It was horrific defending, but mm. you need you need those things to go your way in order to uh, you know change uh, change your fortunes. And uh, it was yeah a ter- terrific start to the game. I, mean, I know I messaged you guys. It felt like to me, like in, at that moment, like it was it felt like one of those games where that could be the only goal of the game. You know? Yeah, like,
1: just, I like... actually thought it was going to be. I've got to yeah. say because Dallas were woeful in in yeah. this. Like they had, I think it was sixteen shots throughout the match, but only one of them was on target. So crapper, crapper, <laughs> cropper had a oh, there's a slip. Cropper had a. I think I think that was his nickname on Tuesday. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know. Because I was like the last show. I was like, "Oh, cory Cropper. I think he's made the number one jersey his so? own." Yeah, goes out has a horrible game. I'm like Flo Youngworth. I like what I've seen from him at number six. Oh, yeah. Worst performance so far in yeah. in that role. But
0: that that, that was something. The, the flow keeping flow in that position against Seattle. Seemed kind of foolhardy to me. That was the one thing. Yeah, he was that.
1: really found out in that because I I can't I was chatting with someone I can't remember who it was and I said he's been so good, but then as they rightly responded, they were like, yeah, he wasn't playing against teams as good as Seattle. Yeah. But I mean, in this one, like, like this was very much a tale of two halves in terms of the performance that the Whitecaps put in because throughout that first half they were attack minded. They got that goal. Now, you can't sit back after scoring two minutes in. You've got to still keep going with the hitting on the counter or whatever and force the opposition to try and break you down and hope that they leave gaps for you to exploit. But Dallas just, they seemed clueless. It's like they just didn't know how to play against this Whitecaps lineup. And Whitecaps nearly went 2 now up in the 12th minute with that great long-range shot from Kubis, which that... From we've done our our looks at what he can offer the team that wasn't in his, his locker that we thought or his Arsenal yeah. with shots like that but whoa if he's gonna fire off some shots like that, maybe he has a Matty Laba. Well,
3: the thing is, is if he, like just him taking a few shots like that, it gives a little bit of um um space and something dangerous that other teams are gonna to have to look at. So even if he can make a shot like that, even if it doesn't go in, it it, it affects the attack and it can help in other places as well. Yeah,
1: because folk aren't going to back off him now. Yeah, yeah I, I was going
0: to say, like, when's the last time you saw a caps midfielder, you know, like, shoot from there? You know, I mean, granted, again, it was Port. Baldy has
1: a few times,
0: but not not consistent. No. no,
1: and, and not <laughs> as dangerous as this and, one.
0: And and I haven't, uh, other than maybe the his first year. I haven't, or sorry, the the pandemic year. Uh, I haven't really felt like he was a real threat from 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 distance, Baldy. But mm-hmm. man, if you're, I totally agree with you, Steve. If 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 he can uh, bring that to their to go, you know, to their attack, it totally makes uh, gives more space and more opportunities for other players on other parts of the pitch. Because da- Dallas, like, maybe they don't they don't know him well enough as a player yet, or they just know that Vancouver doesn't typically. Shoot from distance like that yeah. it just gave him acres of space, and he was just like, "Okay, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have a go." And it he, was, he it, was a, it was a great strike.
3: He, he wasn't saved. a mid. He wasn't a mid. Maybe uh, he was probably a more of a wide midfielder. But Sebastian Fernandez, I think that's his name. The, yeah. Oh yeah, the yeah, one that yeah, came he, with Mesquita yeah, he was
1: more a winger. Yeah, he, yeah. yeah he but already, but
3: he, he he would he would take shots from distance. So oh, he would shoot from anywhere.
1: Yeah, is that, that, is that's is something that fan. we've been bad at for years. Though is like not peppering enough shots in, in on goal and. I thought in general, I thought Kubica was excellent. And yeah. obviously that first outing against Seattle, you can't really judge him on that. And one of his first touches was to give the the ball away for, for one of the Seattle goals. But tonight, for only his second appearance in MLS and his first start, it's exciting what he can offer this team. And when you think, oh, you've got him, you've got Kyle, and your midfield all of a sudden is starting to take shape and you've got VT that you can slot in there as well You got a lot of attacking options at this point
3: well like especially up front with vitae gold and mm. you know caicedo the homie or cavalini white there's quite a few options and Ricketts. um they're pretty deep up front right now
1: well like caicedo that goal is going to do his confidence the world of good because yeah. i think he was a little bit down on himself with the season that he's had and he felt he hasn't contributed and i think I'm pretty sure he was the guy that we tipped last year for being the could be the breakout year for him and building what he had last year. I mean I, I haven't he, fully seen it yet but I think he maybe just needed something like this goal to to do it. I, and... think, I think he
3: got a Gordy Howe hat trick in this game because he basically scored a goal assist and I think he got an assist and he knocked somebody out. Uh cuz uh, uh there there was a Dallas player oh, that he knocked that, out as yeah. well. Oh, yeah so so I think he got like Gordie bad. Howe Gordy Howe hat trick is actually like a fight assisted a goal. So this was very close to a soccer version. Yeah.
0: Was that, I, I was kind of surprised they didn't look at that more closely. or...
1: Yeah, I, don't I, think didn't I, watch, I, I didn't watch it back, but my first it, thought was no. No, it wasn't a vicious
3: elbow. It was more like he was trying to get through him in, in po- whatever his name is, Pomiko or whatever, pomico. whatever pomico. Pomico. He tra- He tried, he just jumped in front of him. And so mm-hmm. he was just trying to get through him and then his face was in the way. It's almost like my my hand's gonna do this. If your face gets in the way, it's your fault.
1: I thought Kava dodged a, a booking for the yeah, the yes. hand up to the guy's face. I mean, it was n- nothing more than a a, a booking, but but a, then
3: r- the, then the Dallas player didn't get a
1: yellow for the hand to the face to repose either. Yeah, so. this this referee was letting a lot of things go, which I liked. And, I yeah. actually thought she was a fantastic referee. I thought she handled she, the game she pretty did, well. She I don't think take... Dallas agreed. She didn't take crap from anybody either. I, but hey. I, there, was some, there
3: was some calls that that Vancouver should have got a foul on um, um, that she didn't call, like the galled one where he was pulled down or something in the end of the thing. Was a, there was quite
0: a pretty few calls where Vancouver would
3: like uh, would normally get a call like that from another referee,
1: but she let it play on.
0: What about what about that uh, near the end of the first half, the
1: tackle on Godinho? Oh, that was an absolute shocker! I thought oh, that yeah. would have been reviewed. Yeah, sort because of that. you heard the Dallas bench going, "He got to touch the ball first, yeah, yeah," and then followed straight through with yeah. his studs right into his knee. I was thinking, I was thinking, you yeah, have the bone sticking out or something like that. But he got the ball first. Yeah, and at one point they said he never touched him. Uh I beg to differ. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, it was I thought that easy. might have been
0: looked at. Yeah. yeah, but other than that, I agree with you. The ref had a good game.
1: The Harris sent me an interesting message that I hadn't thought about during the game, and then when she said about it, because we're just talking about the ref, the Dallas players, and sometimes the Whitecaps players, were a bit pissed off with stuff, but they didn't get right in her face like they do with the male referees, Mm. whether they were like, oh, that's not going to be a good look if I do that, but it it shouldn't matter if it's male or female, you need to show a bit of respect.
3: Yeah, no, um, I agree with but that. But it was actually but, nice but,
1: to see that they didn't do that.
3: But as soon as, the, but I, there was a couple of moments where, as soon as they said something to her, she actually uh, wanted to talk to her, that player. She 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 actually uh, told him to come back, talk to him, and then sent him off. So it
1: was, she did a really good job of letting things play out, but not like taking shit from anybody. And the the WFC two game last night. Pamadou Kha was very vocal on the bench. I know you was that, that unexpected. Yeah, it's, it's a shock <laughs> to everyone that. But he he got he clearly heard the fourth official telling him, "Look, calm it down, calm it down." And they were going back and forward, and you just hear the official going, "Look, it's just about respect." And Pa was like, "Yep, yep," and he knew he was starting to cross the line. Um, and I think some coaches need to be a little bit more self-aware of, of that sometimes. Uh, and it's not easy I mean I'm sure if I was coaching on the bench I would be losing it I, I know I what I've been I, like I, in the stands I, at games over the years I tend not to mind the coaches I think the players need to show a little bit more respect
3: On the yeah. field And and I'm not saying don't argue with the ref I'm just saying there are sometimes you cross the line When you get right into the ref's face And there's like Then there's four or five people Like if there's just
1: one That's fine But four or five people at the same time It's not good Look, It's when they still crowd the ref these days about, yeah. oh, that should be a penalty or whatever. It's like, look, there's VAR. They're going to yeah. look at it. You don't need to crowd the ref. It's clearly yeah. going to get looked at. And and then when somebody's injured or something like that, like, look, like, yeah, yeah
3: obviously it's going to be added on after at the end of the half or end of the game.
1: I always like it as well when the players point to the big screens, like at BC Place. Yeah. It's like, yeah, <laughs> the ref's not going to look up at that and then change his mind. <laughs> or yeah. hopefully isn't. But that was a whole aside. The, the Whitecaps went 2-0 up. As I mentioned there, Diberkaisero got the goal. Free kick. Such a well-taken free kick. Bends it around the wall. Pass. Full stretch. Can't get to it. And it just nestles lovely. I do think the keeper maybe could have done a bit better on it. But he was pretty much at full stretch. Yeah. Lovely free kick.
3: Perfect. Near, per- near perfection. Yeah. You can't get it any better
1: than that. Yeah. Post the that corner, just a little bit higher at the light. Yeah.
0: Plus, I mean, I don't know about you, but I thought for sure Cava was going to take that free kick. Yes. he was set Whoa. up for a left foot.
3: So I was listening to the post-game show on the radio when Sartini came on, um, and he said that they were surprised that <laughs> Cava didn't take the free kick, the, the diver
1: took it. So, yeah, they, he mentioned that on the on the show afterwards. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So 2 now at halftime, most dangerous lead in football, obviously. In sports. I, I did, in anything. But genuinely, it did feel like that for this one. Because I think if Dallas had got the next goal, then I'd, I would have liked to have seen how the Whitecaps responded to that. And I, I would have worried that they would maybe have buckled and that Dallas would have got themselves back into it. But yeah, Dallas I, I agree did with, nothing. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you, though. If Dallas
3: had gotten because their main issue was not really creating chances. Their main issue was getting it on the net.
1: Yeah, and they, they, they had able probably to two it. chances in that half. A Hara header, and yeah. then the Hara shot that went. Both of them went over. But there
3: were there were moments where they were dangerous, like that one play where the player just—I don't can't remember his name—but he just dribbled it into the box. It was like almost a Maddox, like he dribbled it into the box and just dribbled <laughs> it right into the over the, the end line. Yeah, like he just didn't have any. He didn't know what to do with the ball, even though he had teammates all around him.
1: I I was surprised. Like Dallas had had a great start to the season, and. We talked a bit, a little bit about this in, in the chat, Steve, because it's yeah. like it's the it's the trope basically. Dallas start well and then they fall off.
3: Yeah, uh, they're second in the second in the conference right now still.
1: Yeah, I mean, are they going to fall off? Was this just a blip? They looked out of ideas in, in this one. Yeah,
3: I I don't know. Like it could be just, like the, every every team goes through a slump. Like like if if that's the, if that wasn't the case then. Seattle would always be at the top of the thing So like Will they bounce back this time or will they Will this be like a 10 game slide or something I don't know
1: This is a a quote Post game quote from Nico Estevez Who said We did better in the second half and they did um, But actually Before I get to the quote Vancouver's tactics in the second half Were very interesting because They just disappeared as an attacking fo- force, an attacking threat, there was just nothing, and I don't know whether that was intentional, just to basically kind of park the bus, and because so those up. conditions were awful. Like yeah. the players, just a couple of minutes in, were like drenched. It Annoying looked horrible.
3: Annoying, they had a midweek game too. Well, yeah, might have like been you've
1: got that. a two-goal lead. Why expend that energy? And the other team's not doing well. Or did Dallas just not let them attack? I, I, I'm not sure.
3: Well, no, I think Dallas tried to, but they a lot of times Dallas gave away the ball so easily in the mm. midfield as well. They were they weren't doing any themselves any uh, uh, you know favors in this game, even in the second half.
1: But Esteves said afterwards, Vancouver made it very difficult because they closed the field very well, and then for us, we don't have connections inside, so we go through lines to break the opponent's defensive shape. We had thirty-three crosses today, so that means we should have had chances to score goals, but we had fewer chances to score than in other games that they've had when they've had less crosses. Uh, He feels that that if they'd scored first, it would have been a completely different game, but then everyone can, can say that. But I just think this was a great game by Vancouver. It was an almost perfect game plan. They get the early goal, they soak up a tiny bit of pressure, but they still take the game to Dallas. Then they get that crucial second, and then they can sit back and relax a little bit.
3: Yeah, and and the thing is with people saying that oh Dallas is not a great team, even in years where Dallas hasn't been like at the bottom of the table, it's not easy to go into Dallas and you
1: know. No, but they have been good in the early. I like. I I know I've read some other folks saying oh it's a terrible Dallas team. It's not. I've watched some of their earlier games and they've played some lovely football. Yeah, but their their top player Areola did not look good at all. Oh, like the Whitecaps negated him fantastically. But I mean. Great performance by the Whitecaps. A few really top individual performances I want to talk about. I thought Kava was good again, and he's really on his game. He's really up for this. Five goals on the season now. He still doesn't feel like he's even firing on all cylinders either, which if he can get up another couple of gears even, exciting. But it's a good job he is because Brian White's gone the complete other way. Well, Brian White at this point, because Cava plays the whole
3: 90, and he, he, he's really fit right now too, so he, he can play a full 90. Uh, White well, has looks to come... so up for it, and he looks like he's uh. enjoying it. Yeah, and White has to come on. As long as he doesn't take yellows and stuff like that, he'll be on the pitch quite a bit. Um, it, it's just that White right now has, has to come on as a midfielder almost um, and, and, and in order to get on the field. But I think there will be times when White they will lead Brian White, but right now Cavallini is the man, and they have to the, ride the tank as much as possible.
0: Yeah, cat uh Cabo definitely uh was, seems to be in good form for Vancouver. Uh was this the best uh ever game yet for Godino as a White Cap? Yes,
1: that's exactly what you've read in my mind I was exactly going to say that next. I think that was his best performance in a Caps jersey.
0: Cuz he, <laughs> he 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 uh he set up Kubas for the shot that hit the post and he won the free kick for that that uh for Kai Saber's goal, correct?
1: Yeah. But no, not he, not even that though. It's like his defensive play was excellent tonight yeah, as well and he was yeah. getting forward so well. Yeah. yeah,
3: and he was he was taking a lot of lumps and everything. He took uh, and it kept going. I I agree that he he had a good game. Um I think even though uh the 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 two guys behind Cavallini, I thought they played decently like pretty well like in the in the role they were. I know Dahomey was pretty quiet, but I thought he he moved around really well. And obviously Kubas, you talked about him before. Um and their back line uh, Jermaine Brown coming off international duty and, and playing in this oh, game yes. so that was a huge huge uh, like even if he didn't you know as long as they kept the clean sheets so obviously that's a bonus like for them but he he, he didn't look out of place at all and, and considering he played I think a, I think he played a full 90 on Thursday if, against Mexico so that that was good for them it, it kept a, 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 from what I've heard like you guys can correct me Jake Nowiski's like yeah, is like still start like he, he was actually held for rest,
1: right? Was that the I, reason? I think on? I think he might have been. He has still get recovery from that eye injury because he. Oh, because he came on. The, he it's came
3: eye. on. He came on the field though. He was a sub.
1: It's yeah, like, yeah. It'd be interesting mean, I, to see. Like Gold and White, I think may be getting held back for for Wednesday. Okay. Um, we'll talk about Wednesday in, in the next part. But I I don't know that I would even have brought Gold on to be honest in those conditions because. When I spoke to him at the end of last season, he'd said he'd found Houston the most difficult place to play just with the, the humidity and stuff. And it's like, he's had these hamstring injuries, he's had the concussions. You're two goals up. Do you really need to bring him on? But it, it hopefully it all went well. Yep. But overall, a great result. It Leaves the White Caps at the time of recording this on Saturday night, 8th in MLS West but tied on points with 7th-placed Seattle. So they've really got themselves right back in the, the playoff picture. And you look at the, the league games to come, they've got three home games coming up now, consecutively, back-to-back. So that is going to be a, a a big thing for them. They've got New England coming up next weekend. And when you look at New England, it's not the New England from last year. They are struggling a little bit. And is it the curse of the Champions League that we've seen from so many teams over the years? Then the Caps follow that up with a July 2nd game against LAFC. And then Minnesota come to town. So three very winnable or points-takeable games that I feel coming up for the White Caps. They're looking in a really good position just now, which six to eight weeks ago... If someone had said this is where they're going to be, you'd probably have poo-pooed it a little bit. Yeah, they just got to work on their goal differential right now because yeah. they're like,
3: I think, I think they're still at minus 10 or something like that. Yeah, that, I mean, that clean is to the-
1: huge to, yeah. today for, for stuff like that.
3: Yeah.
1: But that is it for our Whitecaps MLS chat. But as we mentioned there, they've got a big game coming up midweek. I feel a semi coming on, and we're going to talk about
4: that after this. Hello, I'm Nick Datswitch, you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
6: try and send a let me fry the end Cos I'm a scumbag Left the street to seek insanity And systematically destroyed my decency with vanity Maybe he's even mad at me To call me a legend That's why I had to sit myself cell down For an honesty session I despise me Lies me all it Seems to be the mog way Like the sweet song played, And I'll pretend I'm no a fucking disgrace For four minutes No gimmicks A formula made to quote lyrics I wrestled with making this just the list of confessions, those they coming back for you, So I administer discretion, invisible protection for the innocent, and pleasurable guilty, and especially the twists Of one attention. The shit I can't imagine, I bury it deep, remain ashamed of every secret that I'm having to keep. Then going there all again is if I'm hitting repeat. Just either jail me or kill me, I'm sick of everything. I've been blacking out lately, waking. Strange passes, in ain't right the same, so me, I beg and exhaust, wear it, love, pain, ma, save it, and my pain, car, play with it, manipulate it, make it great art, and really I die every morning, we reborn, take a look up to the sky, I don't got me
1: long. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM, and kicking off this part all the way from Glasgow, Scotland, Mog with a single released earlier this year called Love, spelled L-U-V. But that, that's a, a brutally honest song about his shortcomings, really heartfelt lyrics about he's a disgrace, he's an embarrassment, he's done all these bad things in his life that he's trying to come to terms with, so it's kind of like a confessional song. Really recommend listening to I I listened to it and it's like, Hope the guy's okay and isn't gonna do something because it, it you really get that vibe from from listening to it that he's not in a in a good place just now. But that was a song about love. We love the white caps. We love football. Particularly we love cups. The Canadian Championship. And there's a semi final coming up on Wednesday night at BC Place. I really hope the fans get out for this. I'm dubious that they will. Because it's another CPL team coming. It's a tournament that folk can't just watch on normal TV, etc, etc. But I really hope they can get some fans out to this because... The Whitecaps are 90 minutes away from getting to a rare Canadian Championship final. And a final that I think they've got a great chance in winning. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here. York United come to BC plays on Wednesday night. It's the return of... He's our captain, Martin Nash. Yes, Nashy, coming back to BC Place for the first time since 2019 as assistant coach in the big upset for Cavalry FC. We'll hear a little bit from Martin Nash shortly, where I ask him if he's going to draw an inspiration from from that last visit. But an old fan favourite, it's going to be emotional for him, obviously, coming back to take on the Whitecaps. But the Whitecaps are clear favourites in this one. One game away from hosting the final against Montreal or TFC, probably in July. But then, so are York. And this is a massive game for them, and it, it could mean so much to this club in the respect that they get and what it means in their local community. They've not been in the best recent form. They've gone winless in six CPL games. Three draws in there. But worse than that, they haven't scored in any of those six games. So those draws were nil-nil draws. And some of them were horrible, as in this afternoon's game at Home to Pacific, which was just a horrible, horrible game of football. They do have threats, Dero's kid being one in particular. Yeah. But the Caps have to be heavy favourites for this one, Zach.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, I mean, if you, for York, you... Uh... I guess you hope that they've been saving all their goals for the, for the, for the
1: cup. Um, also, Someone isn't... asked him today, did they have the equivalent of a swear jar, which every time you don't have a, a, a goal, you put money in the jar and then when someone scores the goal, you're going to get the, all the money. I thought that is actually a fantastic idea. That
0: would be nice. Um, they're also, they get to keep Absey. Abzi. Absey's playing, this is his last game, right? The, the, as the far
1: cup. as I understand, yeah, that was his last home game today and he said his goodbye, so they've, they're, they're keeping him for this one. He is a big player for them. He's also yeah. going to be a big loss for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Vancouver, I, I agree with you, Vancouver is, is heavily favoured and it would be shocking if they didn't uh, get the job done and advance uh, to, to the final. Um, but the, the, it's, uh, yeah, a cup match and so... This is why we love so one of the reasons why we love football, because you yeah. never know what's gonna happen and you it's never know how it's gonna play. Ninety minutes,
1: it. possibly penalties. I, I mean I Steve, I I see this as being a three four goal victory for the White Caps. Alternatively, it could also be a horrible game of football, as we've seen several times from York this season already.
3: Yeah, if York plays like like just parking the bus and not like trying to just play defensive and not looking for to go forward, and I'm assuming that they would probably go for penalties.
1: Oh, um that's they that would be their, that right now
3: yeah they would go for that uh so I I can there is a potential for it now if Vancouver can break them down early and get a quick goal that'll put York into a position where they need to score yep. and then you could open up the game a little bit so that it all depends on how quickly they can get that first goal
1: a, an early goal for the White caps changes everything and yep. I would fear for York I think if that went in. I'm I'm gonna go with four nil Whitecaps as my prediction. Big bold prediction. I'll go two nil. I
0: guess I'll go right in between and go th- go three nil. Then
4: the the, <laughs> the, go-
0: the goal the, the one thing I would say that maybe Steve is maybe more accurate is against uh, Valor they scored quite early mm-hmm. and they got the second right away and then totally took their foot off the gas. Yeah, to save, Vanny was save their energy with- or whatever. Yeah, but um yeah well
3: what i'm saying is that the the york might have to start playing well and then that that puts vancouver well, yeah in a position where they i might mean it attack,
1: forces so. york to open up yeah. maybe not even right away but if they went to two then they have to open up and yeah then that's when it can get quite scary for them exactly uh, unless they do take their foot off the the gas again with the new england game in mind but as we mentioned martin nash coming back to vancouver jumped on the post-game call with him today after that game with Pacific just him a few questions uh, ahead of Wednesday's game. Here's Nashi. Hey, Martin. Um, just a couple of questions just about that game on Wednesday for you. Obviously, you, you came back in 2019 with Cavalry and you, you caused the upset back then. Are you going to use that kind of game and what you did to kind of draw on in some inspiration for your team talk for wednesday
7: yeah i'll use it, it for the team talk um obviously it's different circumstances in a different whitecaps team but um you know uh i'll draw on it especially because just to you know prove the point that it's uh it's possible right so um that was a, a great night in uh in cpl and cavalry history to go on the road and beat an mls team so um it's a possible job but it's not going to be easy and the guys are going to have to work for it but uh it definitely will bring it up to the guys
1: and obviously it's a a huge semi-final you've got a final place on the line what would it mean to york to have that first appearance in a canadian championship game what do you think that would do for raising the stature of the club in the local community
7: yeah i think it'd be massive uh it open a lot of eyes and uh you know, these players have worked hard for it. Um, I think it'd be great for the club. And, um, and you know, it, it'd be massive for the club in general just to get to a final, to a, cup, a National Cup final. would be brilliant. So, um, there's a lot on the line, but, uh, you know, we've got some preparation to do before that.
1: What have you made of the Whitecaps from what you've seen of them this season? They've been very up and down, but at home they seem to be a, a completely different team.
7: Yeah, uh, they have been a little bit up and down. You know, I think they have been really good at home. They've picked up results, and uh, it, it, and you, you know, they're, they're We'll see how they do today. I'll watch the game tonight. But uh, yeah, they're uh, they're a good team at home, so it's not going to be an easy task to go there and, and try to win. But uh, like I said, this this group has a great mentality, and um, they'll they'll put everything on the line for for the result.
1: Thanks, Martin. I'll see you in a couple of days. It's going to be great to see Martin Nash back in Vancouver leading York United at this game on Wednesday. Hope there's a good turnout. Hope there's a good crowd for it. It's a semi-final. Get out and cheer the guys on. They've got a chance to make the Canadian Championship final and they've got a great chance to to lift the the trophy this this year. I'm very excited for this one. Of course, something else I'm very excited for as we talk about it a lot on the show WFC 2. I love this team and it's been a fairly few good weeks for, for WFC too. They've moved into the second half of their season now after Friday night's 3-1 win over Pamaduca's North Texas side. 13 games played now. They've got 11 games remaining in the season. They're unbeaten over 90 minutes in five games now. Two wins, a penalty kick win and two penalty kick losses means that they've taken eight points. They have left some points on the board, which could come back to to haunt them down the stretch because it's, it's very tight in the, the Western Conference. But that win on Friday night moved the Whitecaps level at the top of the Pacific Division with Tacoma Defiance on 25 points. They had played a, a game more than, than Tacoma at that point, but Defiance were in action on Saturday night at home to Colorado Rapids. The win also moved them to within two points of the top of the Western Conference, behind St. Louis City 2 and North Texas. They're both in the Frontier Division, uh, alongside Houston Dynamo 2, who's got some games in hand, and they're also in the mix. Now, the two divisional winners will advance to the playoffs in the West. So that's going to be the Pacific Division and the Frontier Division winners. So they'll both advance. So if the White Caps win the West they're into the playoffs. If they don't win the West, they're relying on having the best points record from the next two teams in the overall Western Conference. Right now, they're in there, they're in the mix, but you do feel it's going to go down to the wire. It's going to be a a very tight run into the season. Great football that they're playing. They're at home on Friday to Earthquakes 2 at Swan Guard, so get out and cheer the lads on. So many exciting young talents in this team. And one of them started his first game. He's been out for five months with injury. I've been excited to see him. And that is 21-year-old French forward, Theo Colomb. He was the third round draft pick by the Whitecaps in this year's draft. The Caps' fourth selection overall from UNC Greensboro. As I mentioned, he's been injured for the the last few months, got his first start uh, against the earthquakes. He'd made an appearance two games ago making his MLS Next Pro debut. and I said in our White Caps two season preview that Colomb could be the real surprise package of the four draft picks, and I was looking forward to seeing what he could do. He's scored goals wherever he's played. He's got experience at the professional level over in France in the the lower tier with Claremont Foot 63's second team, scored a lot of goals with them, scored a lot of goals with UNC, 15 goals and 17 appearances, won a slew of honours, conference player of the year, all conference teams, etc, etc, and we're now seeing him in action for Whitecaps too, and on that first start on Friday night, he bagged two goals, was unlucky not to get a hat-trick, and looks... A very tasty prospect indeed. Certainly one to keep an eye on. Got a chance to chat with Theo after the game. Just a chat about his move to Vancouver. Coming over from France to MLS and and just more of that as well. Let's hear now from Theo Colombe. So Theo, your, your first goals as a white cap tonight, how
2: did that feel? I mean, it's been a long way to get here. I've been in Georgia it's five months, It's my first uh, start for this team, so I was trying to give all I have. I give it for 80 minutes, I give all I have, two goals, good start, pretty good start for sure. For sure.
1: You've had an interesting journey to this team, um, playing in France, coming over to, to UNC at college, what brought you over here? Why? Why did? How did that come about? Coming to North
2: Carolina. So my father was professional soccer player too, and uh, he told me very quickly that a career can end very soon. So I just wanted to have studies and a degree in my backpack, just in case of like soccer not working for me. So I decided to go to the U.S. get my degree, see what the soccer can give me, and uh, I. Dep- Opportunity to come here and play, and uh, I took it.
1: So, like going into the draft, um, you were obviously picked by the Whitecaps. What has what Vani Sartini said? Does he want to see you, you at this level just to prove yourself?
2: I mean, I think it's like all the guys here from the draft. Uh, they want to they want to see us evolve in the professional level and see what we can bring to the table. And then uh, if we're able to bring to the first team too, and uh, yeah, I think that's what they're waiting for. And uh, that's what we have to give.
1: with this team, it's obviously it's a young team, and everyone's trying to stand out. As you say, how do you find this level of play compared to what you had in France and this kind of second and third tiers? And from what you found in at college?
2: Um, so in France, I was in a professional level. So I was the second team of a professional uh, league one team. So I was used to train with the first team a lot, so the level was very high during training and everything. So I had to get used to at first because I did the preseason with uh, the first team too, so the level was very high. But in Horde team, the team, the intensity at every training is very high too, and we get used to. And it, it feel it just feels good to play in a good environment like that.
1: And just last thing, how have you found Vancouver so far as a city? It doesn't always, it's not like this usually in the summer, I'm sure everyone's been telling you this, it's usually nicer, yeah. but how have you found the city so far?
2: I mean, people are telling me that summer is coming since two months now, so I'm, <laughs> I'm still waiting for it, but yeah, I'm, I'm getting used to the rain a bit, I can knee, do knee slides at least, so yeah, <laughs> that's dude. the good point of it.
1: Good celebration, thanks so much Theo and good luck with your career Thank here. you, thank thanks. you. Take care. have a good day. theme column there, definitely a player to watch, there's a lot of exciting talent in this Whitecaps 2 team as I've talked about, a lot of exciting talent as well in the League 1 BC team, both on the men and the women's side as well, we're going to be bringing out a special League 1 BC extra podcast this weekend with some interviews from some of the coaches and chatting about how that season has gone just now, but the Whitecaps women lead the, the women's division right now. They've got sixteen points and an unbeaten record from their their six matches played so far. Varsity and TSS very much in the mix as well, and chasing them down. On the men's side, the Whitecaps sitting third in the standings, and a real battle to try and make the championship game with Varsity, TSS, and Victoria Highlanders. Lot of great young talent on that League One BC side. Really recommend getting out to. Kenwood's field and the other fields to take in the action you won't be disappointed but that is it for our Whitecaps chat for the show it's nearly it for the show but of course we can't go without bringing you this episode's wavelength and I'm going back to 1987 for this one a Welsh punk band called The Abnormal and this is a song from the Skins and Punks Volume 4 album this is simply called Football song.
4: Starting
6: combat, we usually where when we go to football, we wear training gear. Better to teach trainers and jeans. Really training, do you know what I mean? Football.
1: punk band The Abnormal there, football song, just talking about their love of going to the game, wearing the nice clothes, the casual life, but not the football hooligan side of it, and just going to enjoy the pre and post match banter and drinks in the pub. It's what it's all about, we all love our football, there's a reason it's called the beautiful game. But that is it for this episode of the and Soccer Show, just before we go though guys, Let everyone know where they can find you online. Any final thoughts or anything that you learned this week, Steve?
3: Uh, You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. Uh, I
1: know we didn't bring it up,
3: uh, talk about the game against Honduras. I'm just very happy that... uh, I know the result didn't go Canada's way, but I'm just glad nobody got injured or drowned uh, in that game. I think that was the big key there.
1: Yeah, Actually, since we're talking about that and we haven't talked about it, for me, that game... It should Never not have been, been on been. and if it wasn't an international game if that was just a club game they would have called that off to the next day
3: yeah i i, I, I think it's only because it's league of nations or whatever or nations league uh that they, they played that game
0: it felt like uh they were very irresponsible in allowing that game to go ahead because oh there could be really bad injuries when the ball when the ball doesn't move like that yeah you the players have to react and they're yeah you usually, and it's,
1: it's both sides as well because there was oh, a, yeah. a moment, oh. I think, in the second half where Kyoto was in on goal, and you're like, Oh, here we go. He's going to put he's going to finish this one off, nope. and then the ball just stops. Yeah,
0: yeah.
3: I, yeah, you, you, would, I you would think that the Canada definitely doesn't have an advantage in there because they're used to playing on astroturf, where even if, if there is a downpour, the ball will, won't you know, it will, it's not going like to grass where it just dies there, it'll still keep moving. So, uh, but but like I said, better that nobody got injured. No serious injuries came out of it. They came out unscathed. They can always make up those points in the next round if they need to advance or whatever. So I think it's good to go.
0: You can uh, find me on Twitter at Zachary ZacharyAM, occasionally tweeting, uh, but mostly about football. I just want to give a shout out to uh, Jordan Hoytema for her move back to Cascadia, Mm. joining OL Rain in... uh, yeah, the Seattle area. Um, yeah, I I, uh, I hope this is a, a positive thing uh, for her and her career. I know she didn't play as much as she probably would want to at Paris Saint Germain, but um, yeah, I hope this is a, an opportunity for her to come come back to North America and uh, maybe be the dominant player that we know that she can be and uh, and fill fill the net with goals.
3: I think this could be like a good. You know, one step back in order to get back into Europe and and show what you can do because when you're a young player there, you're not going to get opportunities all the time.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, Steve. Because like she needs playing time, and this is a chance to show that she has got it. Also, in terms of the Canadian national team picture as well, which is kind of falling down the the depth chart a bit. For sure. So Bev Priestman needs to see her playing. She's going to be back closer to her family. She can get home more often maybe just killing time until Vancouver's NWSL team comes to, to bear you, you never know there's always the League 1 BC side if things don't work out at OL Rain. As, no as well. she'll, she'll be <laughs> fine in OL Rain at least like, I think that's a, that's a good spot joke, for her right
3: now yeah,
1: I know. Uh, I'm Michael McCall you can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada and read all our stuff AFTN.ca away from the numbers give us a follow on Instagram AFTN Soccer and on YouTube YouTube.com backslash AFTN Canada. And I I don't know, I don't think I've learned too many things this week. I've learned that there might be a maximum number of nights I can go out to watch football (laughs) and still be able to function and other stuff during the week, because it's been (laughs) a really tiring week. I've been, like, Wednesday night, Thursday night, commentating, four games over those two days. Friday night, WFC2 at Swan Guard then it's the Whitecaps tonight, commentating on Sunday, next week, Whitecaps on Wednesday, and then games on Thursday, Friday. Yeah, I shouldn't complain really. It's all the, it's it's fun. And League One BC, get out and support it. There's been some fantastic games, some cracking players on display, possible future Canadian national team players for men and women. But that is it for this episode of the AFT and Soccer Show. We will be back soon. Hopefully in a more regular weekend schedule now. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care, mon the caps, and the World Cup is coming back to Vancouver. Bye, everyone. Going to your first match
6: is an experience you'll never forget.